Did you know over 1,800 people died in the hurricane and the flooding of Hurricane Katrina, and it caused approximately $161 billion in damage? To this day, it is the most costly hurricane on record. Welcome to Cryptic Soup. Tonight, we will be dealing with a murder-suicide case that takes place around the time of this, but there is a lot more going on behind the scenes that will cause this story to shock you to your bones. Welcome back to Cryptic Soup. I'm Thena. And I'm Kylie. And this is the episode. Is this Cryptic Soup? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I was going to say, and this is a, a new one or something, but they're all new ones, so that doesn't count. Well, I'm kind of, ex- it's kind of like a different new. Like, I don't think we've covered anything. I'm just thinking. I don't think we've covered anything like disaster like mm-hmm. or surre- I mean, like in correlation to a disaster okay (laughs) okay i'm gonna let you have that one i mean am i wrong i mean i mean like in my mind i think like covering things like operation paperclip and unit 731 those things all deal with like the war and nazis and things like that which is considered also like a disaster but that's like a man-made disaster not a natural disaster so i guess it just depends Oh, but do you see what I'm saying? Like the casualty amount is this not the same, but like the severity of it. So to me, those count. But that's like a weird correlation to make, I think. Right. No, I think. This is the first natural disaster. Yeah. Hmm. Well, do you know anything about it? I mean, I know about Hurricane Katrina, but no. Do you know about Zach and Addie? No, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I just know there may or may not be some sort of connection to voodoo. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Kylie made a voodoo joke this week and I said, funny you should say that. <laughs> but but that's all the way at the very end. So oh, um, great. Do you have anything to talk about? Oh, I guess I. I guess I don't. I don't either. Did anyone ever. Um, I didn't receive anything, but did. You receive anything where they were supposed to tell us where that one inside joke was and they got a free sticker? Did anybody do that? I have no idea what you're even talking about. <laughs> so if they did, I didn't pay attention. <laughs> well, shit. All right. Well, that still stands. And then if you remember if you which episode. Thing, <laughs> and then if you find the thing that the thing is talking about. We'll give you two stickers. It's like a whole fucking game at this point. Um. Yeah, I have nothing else. Uh, it's also, I guess, 420 for those that please like, it. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag get lit. <laughs> Hashtag. Um, did I tell you I went into a, a, a what are they called? A dispensary. Mm-hmm. I went into a dispensary for the first time. Mm-hmm. Did I tell you how scared no. I was? No, I was fucking shaking. I was lit. My hands were shaking. My body was shaking. <laughs> and I like walk in with my friend who goes all the time. And I walk in and I'm like, hello, we're here to, to buy legal stuff. And I'm to like, buy so, legal stuff. I was so fucking terrified. And like, she's like, I told you it's legal. I was like, are you sure this is legal? And she's like, yes, it's fine. I was like, this feels like I bought from a real drug dealer. And that felt less scary than buying from a dispensary. <laughs> Isn't so. that funny how that stigma just <laughs> was created because of all of the craziness around that? But yeah, it was very spooky going to a dispensary. One and done. Never doing that again. Nope. Fuck that. That was scary as hell. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you think know- we're all badass because we have tattoos and piercings, but we're actually terrified to do things outside of our comfort zone. So like there's that <laughs> to give you an example of how scared I am of life. The other day I was at the gym and a man cleared his throat while standing next to me and it made me jump and almost like fall to the floor. And he looked at me like I was a crackhead and I was like, I'm so sorry. You scared me because you were so loud. And he's like, I cleared my throat. Okay. And then actually the same day, the second time when I was at the gym later in the evening, another man was like going to I was using a spray bottle to like clean something. 
and he went to do the paper towel to like dun 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 the thing that you hit and then the paper towel feeds like uh-huh. you hit the handle three times he went to hit the handle and I jumped and slammed into a wall because it was so loud. And he's like, are you OK? And I was like, uh, yep. yeah, loud noises just scare me. And he's like, uh, yeah, I can tell. And I just was like, well, I'm going to walk away now. I didn't even get the thing I needed. I just walked away because I panicked. So, yeah, I guess that's my life. Um, OK, there's our stories. <laughs> it's all about how I'm a pussy. <laughs> we're, uh, yeah, we're I mean. I just get scared about everything. I'm I'm a I'm the easiest to like spook type person. You could walk around a corner and I'll jump. I'm that kind of a person. Are you like that? Yeah. Yeah. I oh do. my I almost ran into someone yesterday walking out because like there's never anyone in the staircase and where I was was for staff and not for like patients. And so like you just don't think anyone's going to be in there and I like turn the corner to go down the stairs and there was a child right in front of me and I was like <laughs> and I was like, I'm so sorry. And she's like, it's okay. It's my fault. No, I, I'm, yeah, I'm that same way. We have people working on the building because we're uh, adding an addition to our job. So I'm normally used to no one being there past like a certain time. And then people mm-hmm. keep like turning the corners or like I'll run into people. And I think I have a heart attack every time. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Basically more. anything out of the norm. I am very like tunnel vision fixated on it yeah until i feel comfortable and deem you normal i i don't feel like my peripherals know what they're for because they don't (laughs) they don't do anything (laughs) i can see it doesn't mean it won't scare me like the moment it comes into my actual line of sight it's gonna spook the the hell out of me (laughs) or like if it's in your peripheral you're like oh there's something there but then until it gets in front of you i'm like oh my fucking christ it moved (laughs) Yeah. Um, or like anything that's above like a normal volume, even if like I know it's coming. Oh, no, I'll I'll still jump like. Oh, yeah. I no, be, I do that. I, I could be that. on a roller coaster. I'm aware people are going to scream when we drop. The moment someone screams, I will still jump <laughs> like I'm screaming, but someone else screamed. So now I have to jump. Let alone the freaking me. roller coaster itself. <laughs> like fucking Christ. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, we're real pussies. But I love roller coasters. Don't get me wrong, guys. I fucking love roller coasters. I don't, but I love watching. Oh, my God. I would ride every single one on this planet if I could. Well, uh, we're going to get in the case because it's it's not like super long, but it's it's longer than the past few we've had. So to us, it's going to feel long. Okay. All right. So this one starts on a Tuesday evening, October 17th, 2006. A young man was named Zach Bowen, and he had died by jumping from the seventh floor of the Omni Royal Orleans Hotel in New Orleans, Louisiana. Authorities were called around 8.30 p.m. from the hotel, and when authorities arrived, they found the body on the roof of the parking garage, and the body had a handwritten note and army dog tags inside of a plastic bag in the back pocket. There were also gate keys to an apartment in his front pocket. The body was already dead on arrival, the authorities had noted, and they ended up using his dog tags to identify him. They then read the letter because that's super odd. Did this man, like, kill himself? Was he pushed? Like, what happened, right? And the first line of the letter said, this is not accidental. Oh. Shit. So, let's figure out who that body is, right? Like, let's, let's rewind. (laughs) So Zach was born May 15th, 1978. He was a Taurus. He uh, has the same birthday as Tucker Pillsbury, a.k.a. the singer role model. I don't know who that is. Uh, There was also some like sports stars and TikTok stars, but there wasn't a lot of people on that day. That's like the least famous people born day in the world, I've noticed. Yeah, I'm trying to think of someone May 15th, but I got I got there was nothing. Um, That's also National Chocolate Chip Day. Oh, 420. 420. It's 420 day. This is also National High Five Day. Really? Yeah. Interesting. The things I got. It needs to be like National Snack Day or something. Oh, my God. (laughs) Cheetos. Flaming Hot. Flaming Hot Cheetos. (laughs) All you say is Cheetos. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, Zach was born in Bakersfield, California. And he loved to play the drums and the guitar ever since he was a child. And he loved music in general. He was said he to be like a really laid back and happy child. Zach loved writing poetry. His mother said he was like 
the most terrible skateboarder ever, but he really wanted to learn. And so he would like try all the time, but he was just so bad. I feel that. Yeah, I felt. <laughs> Everybody um, wanted to be a good skateboarder and not everyone is. Although I became a rollerblader instead. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. Yep. Couldn't do the skateboard thing though. Uh, Brink really spoke to me apparently. And so did Machine Gun <laughs> Kelly, who are both really good rollerbladers. Um, he said he wanted to be a drummer when he grew up. Zach also said he loved listening to heavy metal music, which like he played along with, you know, he was said to be really charismatic, really charming and just like a really good looking dude. He was kind of like when he was younger, that like surfer California bro type dude. Okay. And he had that kind of vibe too, like the laid back demeanor with the chill personality of a surfer, just like everything's cool. Go with the flow, you know? And I mean, he grew up in California. So like that. That makes sense, right? California yeah. boy, yeah. Zach's parents ended up getting divorced. What? Uh, and when that happened, he lived with his mother. And this was like when he was in his teens. So he ended up living with his mother, but he stayed close with his father. And right before his 18th birthday, Zach and his father decided to go on a cross-country road trip together. And they said they partied the whole time and it was super fun and it was a great time. And they purposely were going to like party places and destinations and stuff like that. Which is kind of odd, I feel like, at 18, because you can't, like, get into bars and stuff like that. But right. maybe things were more lax and they didn't well, care I mean, and stuff back You then can too. in different states. You can go. Yeah. Like, in Michigan, you can, you can, you don't have to be 21. And they probably still went to, like, casinos and stuff. And he got to see stuff. He maybe just wasn't drinking at him or something, you know? Yeah. Well, one of the last stops during this little father-son getaway was to New Orleans. Do you say New Orleans or New Orleans? Um, New Orleans. See, mine depends on what the sentence is. Yeah, I've already I noticed that because you said it differently earlier. Yeah. Like, I feel like when I'm talking about places, I say New Orleans because it sounds like more, I don't know, more put together. But when I'm just talking about it, it's it's New Orleans. It's like one word. It's not, though. <laughs> I mean, it kind of is. You should hear how my mom says that kind of shit. My no. mom is from Louisiana and she always tries to correct me. She'll be like, it's New Orleans, Louisiana. And I'm like, well, that's there's mm. those aren't even the right letters. <laughs> you sound like Moira Rose. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny that you bring that up because we were talking about Moira Rose the other day. And um, Jimmy, who is uh, who has been one of our guests in the archives, um, was talking about how someone made like an impression of Moira Rose as uh, your GPS Oh my voice. God. And I'm just like, this is all I need. This That's is all I want in my life. Well, it's funny that I also do that because the other day I was at work and I was talking with Trent on the phone. And when I'm on the phone, I tend to try to be very polite. And I didn't notice that apparently my politeness comes off as a valley girl. And everyone at that company like <laughs> talks about it all the time. And they all call me Alexis behind my back because I like, I like talk like this. And, like, I give a lot of inflictions, especially <laughs> when I'm, like, talking. And, like, I try to be kind of polite. And, like, I don't know. I guess, like, it just comes off, like, a certain way. Like, I, you know. And so, like, they were making fun of me. Well, I was talking to Trent the other day, and he did something. And I was like, ew, Trent, stop. <laughs> ew, David. And I literally <laughs> did that. And he's like, oh, my God, it came to full fruition. <laughs> what did and he's like i'll call you alexis rose behind your back and i was like oh my fucking god yo bro stop the fuck you're doing <laughs> and literally they all started laughing and they were like no like it's fine that's interesting though your valley girl comes out when you're trying to be but i'm just only on the phone though because i'm trying to be like i don't know like friendly i guess like customer service yeah ish and it apparently is the fucking white valley girl so whatever interesting yeah it's very interesting for you yeah i know <laughs> Fuck me. um so anyways they went to new orleans and at the time when they got there zach instantly fell in love with it he loved everything about this place and he was like you know this is where i want to go i want to move here i want to live here full time like yes and his parents were like okay go for it okay so he drops out of school okay and moves to new orleans Sounds like a grand old plan. I don't know how that was like, okay, whatever. It, they were okay with it. So then his They're father They're laid joined. back from California. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> so his father joins him there. He gets a job as a bartender and he starts his new life in Louisiana. 
While only being 18 years old, Zach meets this girl and he says she is the love of his life. She is a 28 year old woman named and I've heard it Lana and Lana. And I think it's Lana. <laughs> so he, all I'm thinking of is um, Archer. <laughs> oh, I was thinking of um, Lana Del Rey. No, no. Forgot that bitch existed. No, um, <laughs> Lana from Smallville. Oh, I haven't seen that. So Lana Shupak was the girl and she was a stripper from Dallas who just happened to be traveling to different clubs around the time. And she is working in New Orleans and she ends up going to this bar and she sees Zach and they were like, mm, let's kind of like fool around, whatever. Right. Well, then Lana goes back home and like Zach's still pining after her and he keeps talking to her. And Lana somehow gets talked into moving to New Orleans to be with him and be in a relationship with him. First off, she doesn't know she's like he's only 18. She oh. did not know there's a 10 year age gap. And somewhere along this, Zach must have gotten his GED because he'll end up going into the military. But I don't know where in the timeline it falls that he got his GED, but I know it has to be near this time zone. OK, so anyways, Lana, Lana comes to New Orleans and then she and him start dating, but they start this like super on and off relationship. And then around the time Lana finds out Zach's age, she's like, well, I'm in too deep because I'm pregnant. <laughs> Now, here's the thing. She didn't want to tell him, though, at first because he's too young. So she just keeps it a secret. And then that's the right thing to do. Yeah. And they're so off and on. He doesn't know. And then two weeks after she has the baby, she's like, hey, you're a father. Look, Look, child. (laughs) So uh, Lana's like, hey, here's our kid. Whatever. You know, what's up? And Zach's like young and stressed out about this. But he realizes the day he met this kid that he loves him. He is going to be a good dad and he is going to love this child and provide for this child if that is the last thing he can do on this planet. Well, and it kind of sounds like he has a lot of. I don't know about parental support, but his parents are somewhat supportive yeah. of things, so he probably had some sort of a better uh, understanding of, well, of what that looked like. And you can see if you um, go to like the memorial pages and stuff, his parents talked very highly of Zach and they were like. He wasn't always like the, the monster in the end of the story. Like it was a created monster and stuff. Um, he was a good person and like we loved him. And they talk very highly of him still in a sense because they remember who he was, not who he became. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, what ends up happening is Lana has this baby named Jackson. And I have seen it spelled Jackson, like Jack, son. Like, mm-hmm. OK. Mm-hmm. And then randomly, I've seen it J-A-X-O-N. Jackson. Hmm. Well, luckily, they sound the same. (laughs) Do with that information what you will. I gave it to you. You have it. Okay. so Lana, Jackson and Zach all move together into a home that he gets them that's still in the New Orleans area. And then around the time Jackson's turning one years old, the couple's like, oh, we should get married because that'll solve everything. Right. That doesn't solve it. (laughs) I will give you a hint. Zach doesn't always use the best like solutions. Well, he is young. Yeah. So, you know. Well, Zach was not financially ready to take care of the kids. So that's when he decides he's going to get his GED at some point because he wants to join the army. Okay, so he wants to join the army because he realizes he can get benefits and take care of his family. That's noble. Yeah. And he's doing it for at least kind of like a decent cause in a sense. Like, okay. Mm -hmm. so when Zach ends up becoming a member of the army, he's super well liked. And all of like the people had good things to say about him. He ends up end up. He ends up end up. <laughs> he ends up even getting a ton of awards while in the military. So like he's he's good at what he does. Right. Mm-hmm. He gets a, a stationed over in Germany at some point. And at this point, like his his military career was pretty, pretty easy, actually. And his family decided to stay on base with him in 2001 in Germany. But that was not a good thing. Lana and the kids were super unhappy But he was happy because the family was together. Now, the rumor was they were unhappy because Lana couldn't make friends and couldn't like have anyone to talk to or do anything because off base, they don't obviously speak the same language as her. So there's barriers. And then on base, supposedly all the other wives and mothers didn't like her because before she got there, uh, Zach had bragged to a bunch of his co-militers (laughs) <laughs> military <laughs> that he's like so my wife's this hot ex-stripper look at this bitch 
And now all the wives are like, uh, you were looking at this slutty, whorish strippers pictures. And now she's here. I don't like her. You know, like mm. that's what they did. They just like pegged her pegged her as something yeah so supposedly that's why lana was really unhappy okay well that was in 2001 we all know what happened in 2001 mm-hmm. later in the year mm-hmm. so that was the beginning of the year so then 9 11 happened well zach was still active duty at that point and he was an active duty member so he ends up getting sent over to fight in the front lines in iraq and in kosovo Zach ends up getting traumatized because he watches a fellow soldier's death right in front of him that he knew. And then he was supposedly really, really traumatized because he had to watch the death of a child and her whole family after he befriended her. And supposedly the reason she was killed was because she was conversing with the American soldiers. So like about, she also felt right. guilty. Yeah. So obviously you can see where this is going. Zach has some PTSD. Yep. And Zach's starting to regret his time in the military. And nonetheless, he's most do. Yeah. And he's not (laughs) even with his family anymore, which is the whole reason he's doing this. And he's like, fuck, I miss my family. Well, July 28th, 2003, Zach ends up getting promoted to sergeant. But around that same time, he receives really bad news that Lana gets diagnosed with hepatitis C and she can barely take care of herself and the kids. Oh, so he's like, hey, uh, I'm going to put in a request to stay on base to take care of my wife and my kids. And they deny it. What dicks? Yeah, so the army denies him. And it's not like they are they have a support system, because remember, she feels all alone and everything. Oh, they're still in Germany? Uh, Yeah, at that point, her and the family were still on the base that he just wasn't on. Well, then they go home, at least. Okay, right? Mm-hmm. But at this point, Zach was starting to have a health issue with his feet. Um, and also just the military life in general and being in two active tours at this point was taking its toll on his mental health. So Zach started purposely failing his like PTs, his health, his fitness tests, all that kind of stuff, because he was hoping he could get discharged and sent home. Now, if you don't know, the military doesn't look highly on people that purposely fail things. Nope. So at this point, Lana's noticing a drastic shift in who Zach was like. She said Zach was no longer that normal, happy, carefree person. And he was super cold, super distant. And this was not the man she fell in love with. After a few more failed tests, Zach was deemed unfit for services and he gets sent home. He was recommended by almost like all of his fellow officers that he's released with an honorable discharge. But again, the military refused and they decided to give him a general discharge instead. So... Zach lost all the benefits for him and his family. I'm surprised they didn't do a medical discharge. Well, the whole reason he went into the military was these benefits and now he got denied. Imagine the state of his like mental health now. He's like, I did all that at least to take care of my family. And now I'm back to not even ground zero. I'm like negative. I'm pretty sure it doesn't work like that now. No, there's a lot more rules in place nowadays, luckily. Well, in 2004, Zach does get to return home to Lana and their marriage had some huge strains and complications on it because Lana found out about him. Lana. Lana. Yeah. Yeah. Lana found out about him failing these tests and lying about how he came home and everything and how he was discharged. So Lana's super upset. She's like, he's not the man that he used to be. I also feel like he no longer loves me and I don't love him and I don't even know who he is. Like, this is too much. So she files for a divorce. Lovely. So Zach was still living in New Orleans. He went back to working as a bartender in 2005 at a place called Hogs Bar. And he meets a girl, another girl. This time he meets a girl named Addie. So who's Addie? Adrian Addie Hall is a hippie. And she was known as a free spirit, short tempered artist, lover, and overall independent person who had marched the beat of her own drum. She moved to New Orleans from North Carolina in 2002. And at the time, she was also working as a, as a bartender. Addie was an artist, a dancer, a poet, and a jack of all trades in the art person. So you know who she reminds me of kind of right now? Hmm. Um, Johnny Lewis, the Renaissance oh, yeah. man yeah. that we just covered. Mm-hmm. That's what she gives me the vibes of, but a little bit more of a hippie in a sense. Now, at the time of meeting Zach, she was working at a place called The Spotted Cat, and she was a bartender. 
Addie currently lived in the French Quarter of New Orleans, and it helped make her creative soul feel alive, she said, because like that was the place to live. Which, if you know anything about the French Quarter, it sits about uh, 10 to 15 feet above sea level. Why does that matter, you're wondering? Because when Hurricane Katrina hits, it hits everything that is five feet above sea level and under. So you can see how that might be beneficial that she lives in the French Quarter. Mm -hmm. We'll get to that. And when I talked about when I visited during Hurricane Katrina, I visited the French Corner. That's corner. (laughs) Quarter. That's how I was able to was because my friend's house was still still standing. standing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Addie. Addie was the type of girl who would ride her bike everywhere. She called her friends her muses. And she breathed the ambience of life, is what she would say. She's kind of like a indie girl. Yeah. Yeah. Addie wasn't all sunshine all the time, though. She suffered heavily from bipolar disorder, and she was super irregular about taking her meds. And she was on lithium, so it was like a heavy-duty med. Not something you should be, like, Meh. missing. Right. This caused really angry, uncontrollable outbursts, which would lead to her short temper, like, just sparking all over the place. She was a little fire. Addie met Zach while they were both bartending in the French Quarter. She would always like to give him a hard time. She played the mean girl and that's like how she flirted with him and he was smitten with it. But she always said she didn't want to date due to the trauma of her past relationships. So he just kind of kept trying and it didn't work. Well, Zach continued trying and kept trying to pursue Addie and it just wasn't going anywhere until one day, boom, it did. Addie finally gave him a chance. And like, even her friends were shocked. But it was really difficult. And both of them were really heavy drinkers. And supposedly uh, Addie's like bipolarness would come out in a violent spurts whenever she was drinking. And Zach suffered from his PTSD. And that came out when he was drinking. So like, (laughs) talk about toxicity. Yes, this is going to be tough. Okay. So at the beginning of their relationship, Zach ends up calling home to his mom and he tells her he found the love of his life. Okay. Addie. And he tells his mom, like, Addie is just like you. She's free spirited. She's like down to earth at the same time. She's cool. She's a hippie. She's great. Mom, she reminds me of you. She's the love of my life. I love her. She's the one. And his mom was like happy for him and everything. So like things were going good. Now, Zach and Addie were only dating for a few weeks before Hurricane Katrina hurt, hit in 2005. And unlike most people who decided to leave, Zach and Addie decided they wanted to stick out the hurricane together at her apartment and hope for the best. Okay. So Addie offered Zach the shelter of her apartment on Governor Nichols Street in the French Quarter. And that ended up being one of the only deemed safe areas during the entire hurricane, like I had said. So at this time, remember, Zach's still technically married, though. They filed. They didn't finish. Mm -hmm. Zach's married. Okay. So Zach's wife, Lana. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Now that I said I'm going to say Lana, it won't happen. Right. (laughs) Lana invited Zach and Addie to come stay with her because she's still living in Texas now at this point. And she's like, hey, come stay with me and the kids. Like, I'm scared of you guys being there. And they're like, no, it's fine. We're fine. Okay. I have a theory that that might have been more Addie driven than Zach because of things that later come out, but I, I might be wrong. So Addie's just not a fan of kids, let's just say. Felt. So <laughs> they were inseparable from the moment Hurricane Katrina hit. Like this was a big deal. And this is how people originally got to know who Zach and Addie were. And it's weird when you look back on this now, because if you knew Zach and Addie before you knew Zach and Addie, you're like, whoa, I would have never expected this. Because they made a name for themselves. They were like the leader of this band of misfit survivors in the New Orleans area. Zach and Addie had gathered a bunch of people that also decided to wait out the storm. And they would all like make dinners together. They would have campfires. They would drink booze. They would like live together. They had a bartering system. They would help each other like repair stuff and everything. Like they were literally like little survivors in the in the show Lost, but in New Orleans. And like there wasn't electricity or like anything else. There wasn't rules. There was no laws down there or anything because like there was there was nothing. It's like all of a sudden Red Dead Redemption, New Orleans edition. So Zach and Addie were like 
the leaders, though. Everyone knew who Zach and Addie was. They got everyone together. They like did all this stuff to the extent to where New York and Times Magazine went down to New Orleans and like the New York Post, the New York Times, all this stuff started featuring Zach and Addie on the cover. And there's like, you can still find these magazines and stuff. And they were like, look at what these people have done. They've banded together. They found the survivors. They've been keeping everyone alive. Look at this couple. Wow. They're the best couple on the planet. Well, then Lana, Lana sees this. (laughs) God shit. (laughs) So then Lana sees this and she's like, oh, cool. So he's alive. Uh, Because at this point, you know, like she was in Texas. She had no idea if the father of her children was alive or not. She can't contact them. There's no phones. There's no service. Like she thought Zach and Addie were dead this whole time. And then she just randomly sees them on the cover of a magazine. And she's like, the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, it's not really his fault, though. I mean, he can find a way. (laughs) I don't know. There's a if there's a way, there's a way. There's a will. There's a way. There's a will. There's a way. So there was no will. So that's what I'm saying. There's only ways, but he can find the way somehow. (laughs) So Zach was still struggling heavily with his PTSD. And now he's no longer getting therapy or medication. Addie is still struggling with her own struggles as well. And she's no longer having her medications. So they both decide what would be an alternative to therapy and medicine. Alcohol. What about alcohol and drugs? Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, like Mm -hmm. heavy drugs and alcohol. Right. Okay, so that's where this is going. (laughs) But then America and the president is like, hey, we have to start rebuilding the nation and we have to get down to the South and we have to start start rebuilding it. Also, there's laws that are still in effect (laughs) just because something happened doesn't mean that they aren't applied because they are always applied. So as things start going back to like kind of like rebuilding the nation down there, uh, the area of the nation down there, Zach and Addie are forced back into the normalcy of society and it starts taking a heavy toll on them. They started having bills again. They started having to like get jobs and have job schedules and responsibilities. And they couldn't just like sit around bartering and doing drugs and drinking and like stealing booze from abandoned buildings and stuff now. They have to, like, be adults. So be they're civilized human beings of yeah. society. So they're <laughs> miserable. <laughs> Felt. <laughs> and it was no secret that Addie still wanted to be with Zach, but she kept saying she didn't, like, want to play house with his former family. And this is why, like, I had that thought earlier. Mm-hmm. Because she didn't mind that Zach had, like, a wife slash ex-wife thing. But she did mind that he had kids. Now, Addie made it apparent that she did not want to be a stepmom. And she said that to Zach. So around this time, uh, Lana was like, Zach, do you want to be part of your kid's life again? And he's like, yeah, I do. She's like, "Okay, like, I'll let your kids see you. And Addie's like, "Okay, well, Zach, you live with me and I don't want kids in my house because I hate kids. So if you want to see your kids, you have to go rent a hotel room to spend time with them. Like, I don't even want to be around them. I don't want to meet them. Nothing. Dang. So that was a strain on their relationship also. Slightly. And everyone said that there were violent fights that would erupt between Addie and Zach in 2006. And they began to drift apart, pretty much like all their friends said. And at that point, they were both just drinking nonstop. And supposedly they were using upwards of $400 worth of cocaine weekly. Jesus. Plus smoking weed nonstop, like constantly, just to just to make it through like days, you know? Yeah, just to survive their mental stabilities. Yeah. And everyone knew their argument was just full of argument. Oh, I see what I did there. Mm -hmm. Their relationship was full of arguments and fighting. (laughs) You got there. I did. (laughs) Did you like the realization when I... Oh. (laughs) Yeah. Now, according to a police report that happened sometime around this society um, emergence when they're re-entering Addie decided to point a handgun at a man and say what the fuck is wrong with you okay no one knows why but then the man called the police and Addie ran to her apartment where officers came and knocked on her door and she had changed out of the blue jean and t-shirt and into a nightgown and she was pretending that she just like woke up (laughs) okay well at the apartment, the officers searched it and they found the exact gun that the man described. All right. But then they also found a bag of what police believe to be marijuana and two pipes. 
Now, the man fully identified Addie as the woman who pulled the gun on him, according to the police reports. And he like could literally describe her in full. So and she some reports say she was drunk doing this and stuff. So, you know, and she's off her meds. You never know what else is happening. Right. Addie gets booked on charges of aggravated assault with a firearm. First offense, possession of marijuana and the possession of drug paraphernalia. Ooh, those aren't those aren't those aren't fun. Uh -uh. Those are big. Those are big. Well, a month later, police were called to the same apartment. They were called because of a disturbance where they found Zach on the stoop of the apartment. And when they spotted him, he got up and he dropped something. And that something was a bag of marijuana. So he was booked with the first possession of uh, first offense possession of marijuana. Oh, my goodness. So now they're also both getting in trouble with the law and like that's probably causing a strain on their relationship. I mean, slightly. Because it's probably also interfering with the jobs that they're trying to like have at this point and everything, too. So they figure they need a new solution to the relationship, right? They need to fix things. Let's move in together. Yeah, that fixes it all. I mean, I'm surprised they didn't just want a kid at that point. Right. (laughs) So by the end of September of 2006, the two got evicted from the Governor Nichols apartment that she was living in. And they supposedly were just walking down Rampart Street and they came across a for rent sign. For rent. You didn't like the way I said that, did you? No, I did not. For rent. No. For rent. <laughs> sure. It's better than fur. <laughs> you know fur? The thing on your animal? Well, fur. Yeah, that's fur. Yeah, no. That word is for. That's what I said. No. For. Yes. Rent. What if I did one, two, three, fur? I hate you. <laughs> That'd be rough. One, two, three, fur. <laughs> you can get one, two, three, fur, five. <laughs> I'm going to do it now. That's my new thing. Okay. So uh, this apartment was above the famed Priestess Miriam's Voodoo Spiritual Temple. Ooh. And that was at 826 North Rampart Street. And the they had the for rent sign up and they said that it was available. And the Zach and Addy couple said they had a month's worth of tips in their pocket. So they just made an offer right then and moved in. They got the place. Okie dokie. Wish that was how it works these days. Right. <laughs> now, at first, things seemed normal. And the landlord, Leo Watermer, said it was fine. Like, great, whatever. This couple moved in. Life is life is jolly good. That was in September. The end of September. Well, October 5th happens <laughs> like a week later and Addie, cause they probably moved in on the first. You have to think about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they probably moved on the first. Well, by October 5th, Addie had visited Leo, the landlord and was like, Hey, I need to have Zach thrown out or be taken off the lease and have it transferred in my name. She assumed Zach was cheating on her and she wanted to make sure that she was in control at that point. Yikes. So that wasn't good. No. The landlord discussed the situation with Zach and suggested that the couple try to work things out and get back to him with their decision. Addie ended up telling Zach she wanted him out, and that wasn't a good idea either. Zach got really upset. He became super angry, and she couldn't calm him back down. But the landlord didn't hear from them again, so he assumed they made up and everything was fine. He's like, oh, they just had a tough, little tough, a little tussle. Well, what really happened was Addie told Zach she wanted to move out. And at 1 a.m. on Thursday, October 5th, 2006, Zach strangled her to death while drunk. Lovely. He then fell asleep next to her corpse on the futon, committed necrophilia multiple times the next day, and then got up to go to work. His coworkers remember him acting super sketchy the next day, being extra quiet, wearing his sunglasses and hat all day. And he was just being super odd. I wonder why. Yeah. Addie's friends and coworkers asked where she was. And like anytime they saw Zach and he said that she left him and went back to North Carolina because she was fed up with the fighting. Her friends were kind of shocked because they knew she loved New Orleans. But they also like were like, well, she is like a free spirit and she's unpredictable. We couldn't see her leaving really. But like she does have a tendency to run away from like heavy situations. So it's eh. You know, it's not the most out-of-pocket story he could have created. Over the next several days, Zach slowly had cut up Addie's body in their bathtub with a hacksaw and knife while dispersing the pieces of her corpse around their apartment. Around the apartment? Oh, yeah. Okay. Just wait. 
on the evening of October 16th, 2006. So this is now uh, almost 11 days after he killed her. Gross. Zach had been out drinking with a friend. He appeared to be in a really good mood around the people around him and talking about needing a vacation. And he was drinking. He was doing drugs. He was getting strippers. He was doing whatever he wanted. Okay. And, you know, all of his friends thought that Addie left him to go home. So they're like, you know, of course he's living his life up right now. He's probably heartbroken. Right. Well, then on Tuesday evening, October 17th, 2006, nearly almost two weeks now at this point after the murder, it's, it's not quite two weeks, but almost. And after he dismembered Addie, Zach committed suicide by jumping from the seventh floor of the Omni Royal Orleans Hotel in New Orleans. Ooh, I even said it two different ways right there. God, that's you, gross. You, you did that earlier, too. Oh, did I? Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Now, the security cameras at the Omni Royal captured Zach approaching the terrace, looking over it several times. And finally, he downed a final drink and threw himself to his death. And yes, this is where the episode started, the thing I was talking about. They found the letter, the keys, and his dog tags. The letter said, This is not accidental. I had to take my own life to pay for the life that I took. If you send a patrol car to 826 North Rampart, you will find the dismembered corpse of my girlfriend, Addie, in the oven on the stove and in the fridge and a full signed confession from myself, Zach Bowen. Dang. So the letter led detectives and authorities to the apartment of Addie and Zach, and they were pointed in the right direction by the landlord where they quickly discovered the contents of Zach's letter were all true statements. Every single thing. They found the apartment was littered with cigarettes, empty alcohol and beer bottles, boxes that were half unpacked. And it was like a trash pit. But weirdly enough, it didn't smell like a dead body. Oh, that's that's concerning. Because the air conditioner was set at 60 degrees on full blast, keeping the whole apartment freezing cold. Oh, okay. But this wasn't the only precaution. Zach also cleaned the bathroom of all blood and dismemberment that took place in the bathroom. So Zach had spray painted his wife's telephone um, number on the wall for her to be notified that he's gone. Then there was paint in the hallway area that led up to the apartment, like telling them where to go on the words were things like, I love her. I'm a total failure. There was one in the kitchen that says, look in the oven with an arrow pointing towards the stove door. Oof. And this is when they started finding the pieces of Addie. So Zach had cut off Addie's hair and then placed her head inside a pot on the front of the stove. He placed her feet and hands inside of another pot on the back burner of the stove Her legs and arms were placed in a roasting pan that was inside the oven. And then her torso was in a black trash bag in the fridge. At the scene of the murder, the police found Addie's journal, which had been written in by Addie numerous times. But then at the end, they found that Zach had added his own writings to it. And I'm going to have Kylie read the last like one of the last entries in in the book. Today is Monday, 16th, October, 2 a.m. I killed her at 1 a.m., Thursday, 5 October. I very calmly strangled her. It was very quick. Halfway through the task, I stopped and thought about what I was doing. The decision to halt the first idea and move to plan B, the crime scene you are in now, came after a while. I scared myself not by the action of calmly strangling the woman I've loved for one and a half years and then... Desecrating her body, but by my entire lack of remorse. I've known for forever how horrible of a person I am. Ask anyone. And decided to quit my jobs and spend the 1500 cash I had been, I had being happy until I killed myself. So that's what I did. Good food, good drugs, good strippers, good friends, and any loose ends I may have had. I didn't contact any of my family, so that'll explain the shock. And had a fantastic time living out my days. It's just about time now. Um, So that's how we know that he performed necrophilia and everything else. There was other stuff in the journal too. But I do want to say something. So there was also, they saw like the receipt from his bank. He did withdraw the 1500 and stuff. But he says like, um, I was happy until I killed myself. I spent the money wisely or like, or spent it good. Mm -hmm. 
I don't know, maybe just send it to Lana and your kids. Right. Right. If you want to do the good thing here. Right. I'm not saying he should have killed himself. I mean, he shouldn't have done anything, but he also shouldn't have killed her. But I'm just saying that would have been a better thing than no, strippers and drugs. Yeah. So an autopsy was performed on Zach because they were worried since her body was found in the kitchen and the way it was found that Zach may have had the intentions or started to partake in cannibalism. Yeah, that would make sense. But they performed an autopsy and there was no signs of cannibalism. So no one knows, like, if he was preparing Addie's body parts to be cooked, to be eaten or not. But like so many people say that that's what was happening and that Zach was a cannibal. And it was like a rumor for a long time. But technically, there's no true evidence of that. In the writings, Zach hinted actually his intention was to separate bone from flesh as a mean to make it easier to handle disposing the body. So maybe it was more, um, well, I, I know Jeffrey Dahmer did eat people, put that mm-hmm. aside, but that was something Jeffrey Dahmer did was he was trying to separate them to make it easier to dispose of the parts he didn't want to eat. Right. Um, he also wrote about his failures. He said he had failures like school, jobs, military, marriage, parenthood, morals, love, etc. And during the autopsy, they found out that he had a bunch of burn marks in his skin. And in one of the other writings, he wrote, every last one of these I failed at. Hence the 28 cigarette burns, 13 on each arm, two on his chest and one for each year of my existence. Sorry, the last part was from the coroner. I meant to separate how I said that there was 13 on each arm, two on his chest, said the coroner. He said it's because one for each year of my existence. Hmm. Um, after that, Zach was cremated and Lana received Zach's cremated remains. That would be awkward. Thanks for this. Yeah. So some people later claim, and this is like more rumors about the story, is that because of where their apartment was above the voodoo place, that it was dark voodoo history of the location. And that's what actually was wrong. And it wasn't Zach's mental illness or violent outbursts in the relationship that like made stuff happen. Um, It was actually the fact that, you know, it was dark voodoo magic. Which, if you know anything about voodoo magic, um, it's not dark, actually. Like, uh, it's it's mostly medicinal and, like, stuff mm-hmm. like that. So that's kind of wild that they claim that, whatever. But tenants that now had, over time, lived in the apartment above the temple since the murder say that they experienced paranormal activity. Um, feelings being watched, voices, walls being pressed in, things like that. No, thanks. And the voodoo building uh, has moved down the street now, the store place. The building currently is leased by a different voodoo priestess, though, that turned it into a museum for paranormal with tours of the apartment instead of it being a living space. I don't want to (laughs) go. So, okay, you know how I'm a sucker for a weird date? Like, I remember things. Mm -hmm. So the day that Zach killed himself, October 17th, um, don't ask me how I remember this, but you know how I always have, like, a random birthday to share with you? Yeah. This one's really random. That is Lorne, the old host of True Crime Guy's birthday. Oh. Don't ask me how I remember it, but I remember it. (laughs) And I know it. And I was talking to Michael today from True Crime Guys, who's the current host. And I was like, Michael, am I a crackhead? Or is Lauren's birthday October 17th? He's like, why do you remember that? I was like, I don't know, but I need to know for science. For science. I'm asking for a friend. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to... In the next episode or two, I might I might ask them for their trailer for us to play so that you guys can understand why I love them so much. Because they're they're so good. They're so good. You guys should all listen to them and take a take a note from my book of who to listen to and listen to them. I'm not (laughs) saying these sentences how I want to. So I'm going to just keep reading from the page here. (laughs) So there's another wild thing. Um, There was a documentary that was later made about Zach and Addie. And there was a lot of interviews in it, right? And one of Addie's supposed best friends was this woman named Margaret Sanchez. Now, true crime people know who Margaret Sanchez is, but Kylie doesn't. So I had to then later explain who that is. Now, in the documentary, Margaret Sanchez was crying heavily and talking about how it was devastating losing her best friends. But it's really weird when you think about this because... Not that long after this, in 2012, Margaret pleaded guilty and was convicted of murdering and dismembering Jaron Lockhart, a Bourbon Street dancer and mother. 
So Margaret and her boyfriend at the time went to a gentleman's club and they lured Jaron, the dancer girl, with the promise of a hefty paycheck for a private performance where they took her into her home, stabbed her in the chest, cut up her body, and then threw her over a bridge. And Jaron's remains washed up on different Mississippi Gulf Coast beaches. And Margaret and her boyfriend ended up getting caught and went to prison. <laughs> okay. Isn't that just wild? It's birds of a feather flock together. I was going to say, it's a small, it's a small world. That should be wild as hell. <laughs> hey, you said it right. What? Birds of a feather. Flock together? Yeah. Oh, yeah. no, I know that one. Oh, okay. That one and Not My Monkey, <laughs> Not My Circus. I got those two down. Yeah, those, those ones. Yeah. I say both those a lot. Yeah. Which that's why I was so stoked when you, the new season, said Not My Monkey, Not My Circus, because I was like, ah! And he's Joe. like running. Oh my god! I was like, me and Joe are the same. All right, age. can we can we talk about you, please? Because I'm caught up. Oh, and yeah. I want to talk about it with someone right now or in life. Right now, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. Go for it. Well, I hate the bitch of season four. Also, I'm so shy. Like the girlfriend bitch. I don't like her. She's not pretty, and she's a bitch, and I don't short, like her. The short hair girl. Yeah, oh, I, like I hate her. her. But also, I loved the. The like little princessy girl. Oh my god! Oh well, yeah, her. absolutely. She's um, adorable. Hated everyone else. I hated the girl that was perks the wallflower that was in it. Um, the one that gets killed during pretty much. Well, I mean, don't, 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 oh. don't, 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 don't well, do that. But... <sighs> Spoiler alerts. <laughs> I mean, it's been weeks, you guys. Come on, it's true. Um, also, uh, I hated Princess's boyfriend. Well, yeah, the guy from Euphoria, which that poor man. Does he not read the scripts before he takes on these jobs? In Euphoria, he had a tough, tough character. In White Lotus, he had a tough, tough character. In You, he has a tough... Man, he just needs to star in a fucking Pixar movie or something at this point. Jesus! (laughs) That poor man. I haven't watched the other two uh, TV shows that he's in, but... Um, White Lotus is incredible yeah guys. no i've heard i've heard way oh good things God. so i, I like season one a lot i did like season two but definitely season one's great um season one threw me for more loops than season two did um but season two did throw me for loops but half the loops i expected in season one none of them i expected like oh my god none interesting the, the characters in season one phenomenal half the characters in season two great uh just uh, overall really a show that just oh my god also theo james from mm. from divergence in season mm. two i love him and so he much. is shirtless quite a bit of times so is there you go fine as fuck <laughs> also aubrey plaza's in it and oh my god okay it's, but like back to you back to you back sorry. to you back to you so a lot of people are like i absolutely hate this season because it's so different from all the others but then i was like so fucking hooked because it was just like more like murder mystery than it was like uh, uh, just him like being obsessed with someone yeah like well it- I hated part one when it was originally released I like I got it and I understood it but I wasn't super about it yet because it just felt like there was too many loose ends that I was afraid that they were gonna fuck it up I think or something like I don't know what it was but I had a bad feeling uh-huh. but then once I watched part two I liked part one and two as a whole does that make sense? Like, yeah, because they did they did a very, very good job, like putting all of it together at the end. Yes. And I was like, holy shit. Even things I wasn't expecting. Yes. Put together. Yes. Just, I was ugh. so hooked. I was so hooked. I finished it on the plane coming home from my vacation. It was gnarly. <laughs> I have to pronounce every letter. That's how crazy it was. Gnarly. <laughs> I thought you were putting two together being like good <laughs> no. and gnarly. Oh. Good, gnarly. Yeah, that too. Yeah. But no, I, I highly suggest if you like you watch White Lotus. It's on HBO Max now just called The Max, I guess. But oh, is it really? Yeah. Also, The Max is kind of like, I don't know what they're doing with their life, but I need to talk to whoever owns it. <laughs> they're creating two new TV shows. One of them is a Twilight series and one of them is a Harry Potter series. Oh, yeah. I heard about the the Harry Potter one. I didn't know about I, Twilight. I'm um, a little annoyed at both these, but I will say one thing is Lucius Malfoy is going to be played by Tom Felton. Really? Yes. Okay. Um, which, okay, whatever. But the reason why I'm upset with this is because they're doing a Harry Potter series. I'm not pleased with that because 
a year ago, they told us they were going to be doing a Harry Potter themed show and it was going to be called Voldemort and it was going to take place a wildly different time than any of the other stuff and have different characters. And it was going to tell the backstory of Tom Riddle and a lot more to him and everything. Yeah. And it seemed so amazing that no longer exists. And now there's this like Harry Potter series that's like, Oh, I thought it was that. No, that's frustrating. Yeah. So that's why I'm even more upset because I'm like, that was the only reason I was okay with in H uh, with a Harry Potter thing. What about the Twilight one? I'm I give fuck no. <laughs> I love Twilight guys. I fuck love Twilight that. too. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's Robbie P. You can't replace him. Well, it better be like Jacob and that little bitch faces story as they grow up or something because I don't want to resee all of Twilight again. <sighs> the only movie that in the past few years got turned into a TV show where I feel like they did some real genuine justice there mm-hmm. is a series of unfortunate events. Yeah, that was weird. That movie was but awful with Jim Carrey and then they the replaced it with horrible. Jude Law yeah. in the show and the show was really good. It was. It followed the books. It followed the books. and Which is rare. The, the movie did not. The movie no. was so bad. They had three books in one movie. Yeah, Who does you, that? No, you can't. You just can't. Um, I feel like there's one other one recently that kind of did that, but I can't think of it off the top of my head. So. Oh. Hmm. So, randomly, you know, Corey and I watch anime. Um, oh, that movie you saw? Yes. So, like, randomly, we were like, do you want to go see this movie? And I, and I was like, sure, let's go see this movie. So, we went on a freaking Monday. Um, it's called Suzume. That's how it's pronounced. Um, it is amazing. If you like anime at all whatsoever, even if you don't like anime, yes, you have to read it, but it's fine. You'll get over it because it's phenomenal. It is gorgeous. Go see it. Hmm. Suzume. Um, we're gonna go see Mario. This week. Yeah, there's like a lot of movies out right now that I want to see. Um, we're gonna see Mario this weekend, and I think we're seeing Evil Dead this week. Mm. Very excited for Evil Dead. I've heard only good things. Yeah, so. no, it looks it looks phenomenal, but I will not see it. I bet not because I then, am really a pussy. <laughs> and then I'm very, very, very like. I'm so over Marvel movies at this point. The only thing I care yeah. about is maybe Spider-Man lately. But um, I did like the most recent Thor, but then I've kind of given up. But Guardians of the Galaxy 3? Guardians of the Galaxy is my jam. It's it's the best Marvel. I'm very excited. Oh, you you tapped on the yeah. on the desk, so now Shiro is upset. Sorry, Shiro. <laughs> I was trying to do that meme like take my credit card, slamming it on the desk. Yeah. yeah. Just like take my money. Yeah. I know Shiro. I'm so sorry, honey. <laughs> Well, yeah, so that's uh, that's cryptic soup movie pod for you. Yeah, we do that a lot. <laughs> we do. We like movies here. <laughs> so my sources for tonight, um, the book Shake the Devil Off, the true story of a murder that rocked New Orleans by Ethan Brown. It's incredible. Very, very sad. There's some pictures in it. If you get the version that has pictures in it. Um, the articles from Crime Museum and the articles from the Ghost City Tours I had to use. Did I say it? Tours? Mm hmm. Okay, try uh, the documentary Final Witness, the Graveyard of Love, uh, Graveyard Love, sorry, episode 107. And then the site of Zach and Addie, the Facebook page. It's a memorial page and it has information and stuff also and like information from their family and stuff. Um, yeah. Interesting. This was a, I, okay. So you want to hear a funny story about this? Yeah. Okay. Uh, about like, oh my goodness. How was it? <laughs> Um, three or four years ago, mm-hmm. I was hanging out with a friend and I was getting drunk. This is a, wait, this had to be like at least four years ago. It was about <laughs> four years ago. I was getting drunk with a friend and we were talking about crazy shit that's happened and stuff like that. And he was like, do you know any ghost stories as we're drunk? And like, we had another friend with us too. I can't remember who all was with us, but there was at least one other person. And I was like, no, but I know this crazy thing that happened to this couple. And he's like, what is it? And I was like, you got an hour and a half. And he's like, sure. I sat there on the couch while these two drunk people sat in this room. And I told this story off the top of my head from start to finish. (laughs) I'm not even surprised. For like an hour and a half. I'm not surprised. And then I posted a Facebook status. I said, 
are you really my friend if I don't tell you a true crime story while drunk off my ass? And I had like 10 people DM me and be like, tell me a true crime story right now. And I sat around for hours for the next two (laughs) or three days. And I typed up the Shanda Sharer story, Chris Watts, Zach Brown and Addie Hall. I mean, Zach Brown, Zach Bowen and Addie Hall. And there was one more who, oh, oh, Casey Anthony. Oh. And I sent those to everyone. And I like, I was like, here's my stories for you. And here's how I feel about them. Wow. And they were each like 10 to 15 pages long and they would read them and like get back to me with feedback. And every single one of them was like, I'm surprised you don't have a true crime podcast. And I was like, it's not my vibe. I would never do that. That's fucking funny. I was like, I'm too nervous for that shit. Can't do that. Here we are. (laughs) And now here I am four years later. I don't need to be drunk. Nope. Isn't that funny? How you have some changed. Well, okay. So I feel like when you're younger, you have different, um, like, this isn't a word, but like courages, like you're more courageous to, to do very different things than you are more courageous of doing now when you're an adult. Yeah, for sure. That makes sense. Cause like, I was like in theater, I was like singing, I was dancing, all of that. And then now like thinking of that, I'd be like, no. But then when I was on vacation, my best friend, Eric, who is in the archives now, um, loves fucking loves lives for karaoke and it just like makes me so nervous i'm like why is this making me nervous like this shouldn't make me nervous like i did this on a normal basis like multiple years of my life and it's just like so confusing to me to like be in that area and just be like terrified but then we ended up going to this hot pot place that had karaoke in the room that we were in by ourselves Oh and God. I was completely fine with that. What what karaoke song did you karaoke? Oh, we did a lot. I don't even oh. I don't even remember. But um, that was the night that I also realized that all of my friends realized that I could sing <laughs> because they like looked at me like really weirdly. <laughs> and it's just like it's so it's kind of like heart wrenching because I was like so in it. Theater wise when I was younger and now it's just like a terrifying thought to be in that situation. Yeah, that I get it. That yeah. That makes sense. Sorry, I had to go on the rant. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> well, I guess now you know more. That yeah. That's all though. That's that's everything I got for you tonight. I guess we kind of do have a a announcement-ish um with our thank yous being changed recently coming up soon ish wow you're doing fucking great yeah i know (laughs) this is rough i don't like what you're doing okay go ahead (laughs) no uh, okay um we are going to be making some changes to the csp family not in a bad way at all um we just have all gotten a lot on our plates ever since we started this podcast and we're all changing around what we do and where our um time lays and everything. And so we are going to uh, give Corey back a little bit of his freedom because he's really wanting to take a step in a side direction with more streaming and more um, doing Twitch stuff and his vlogs for his motorcycle and stuff. And we realized that we were kind of holding him back a little bit by, you know, taking up a little bit of his time when he could be using it for that one. So we reached out and we found out that we weren't utilizing one of our our team members the way we could have been using them. And so we are going to have Taylor, who was on our um, recent episode, we're going to have Taylor become our new editor. And we're going to try and do that and just kind of rearrange everyone's roles because it makes sense. Taylor has a little bit more free time. Um, Corey has negative free time. So (laughs) literally negative free time. So it just kind of makes sense. And then everyone can be happy and it won't be um people feeling like pressured having to put things in their schedule that they can't fit yeah it's stressful so it just it worked out and uh i'm probably gonna mix up and still call Corey out every so often and i don't mean to so if you hear me do it remember (laughs) he's not doing that (laughs) he will be doing this episode though yeah yeah and then after that is probably when i'll switch over and i'll start shouting out taylor and stuff and you guys will get to hear more from taylor yeah 
So but he's also going to, we've kind of been talking with him and he's going to kind of randomly, it's definitely not like a planned thing. So don't like expect it all the time, but he will be creating more artwork and things based on what we cover. So um, definitely go check out his page on um, Instagram, which is Lab Monkey Creative, because um, there's going to be some really cool stuff that's that's happening on that page. Well, thank you guys to everyone that helps make this podcast what it is. And all the listeners, you guys are all part of the CSP family. Big thanks to Corey, core.media.photography every week for doing our editing. Until you leave us, because <laughs> until you leave us, then we'll dismiss you from afar. We'll never see you again. <laughs> You're like five feet from us. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, which is at Cryptic Soup Pod, where our DMs are always open for suggestions. So slide on in. You can also join the Facebook group, which is Cryptic Soup Pod Official. In this group, we post further updates on the our lives or the cases. So join us and hang out on the socials to stay up to date and be a part of the CSP fam. All of our links can also be easily found at crypticsouppod.com as well. Any kind of Apple podcast review and or ratings or Spotify ratings always help us out. They get our name out there and they just make us feel great. So if you guys do that, we give you a shout out. Um, If you guys want to hear us talk about you, that's the best way to go about it. So remember, guys, to subscribe, follow, tune in, keep up with us. And remember to join the conversation where we'll see you next Tuesday for the next episode. Stay tuned. Did you know that 1,800 people died? Huh? What? Was I not supposed to? Did you know the Muffin Man? You said, did you know? And then you paused too long. So Corey said something dumb. Corey said Muffin Man.